This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Little Let's kick it off, man. What is going on, everybody? It's your boy, Lil Real. And right now, you're tuning in to Keeping It Real with Young Wayne. And look, <laughs> we have a special guest today. Yes, sir. I should let Wayne. Should I let you do an intro? You don't have an intro to guests, do you? I, no, you just you just go. Um, <laughs> it's all good. But um, I mean, how do we describe everything that you are? Um, well, well, first of all, <laughs> he's one of my favorite people. I'll say that first. Yeah. Uh, and we worked together. Uh, I like the way we met mm-hmm. and how he even asked me to do clouds <laughs> 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 and where we were at. You know what I mean? Like, it's so such a... It's actually a good Randall story, but introduce it and we get into that. I mean, I mean, we'll be going actor, but you're way more than actor, author. I mean, director, director. I mean, I, I, I mean, you're reshaping everything. You're reshaping life. Hey man, let's <laughs> give it right now, man. Justin Baldoni, man, y'all give it up right now for what Justin. Up, Justin, what's up? What's up? <laughs> you're like the we, first person we asked to clap for. I don't think you've ever done it. Actually. I tried. I tried to wear my headphones like yours, but I don't have a hat on, so I'm gonna have to go over the hair. It's <laughs> cool. I win. It's funny because I'm far away. I'm far away, uh, so I I can't see everything. But from here, with the hat and the headphones below, it looks like a. It looks very Amish, Rel. <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm known to be a hip hop Amish man. <laughs> wow. No, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> only, only, only way I know about Amish is from the bowl, the bowling movie with uh <laughs> with uh with uh what the heck? Y'all know who I'm talking about? Never mind. Yeah. It don't have nothing to do. With we anything. don't know. Yes, you uh, do. It's a comedy. It's about an Amish guy who's really good at bowling with uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Yes. Okay, okay. okay. That's what it was. Okay, yeah, crazy. I forgot what it was called, but it's really good. What? All right, never mind. I had nothing right. to do with it. <laughs> just, just, so just I'm going to let you know this happens a little bit with me. Where I go like random rants that have nothing to do with anything. Oh, I know. It's, it's okay. I, I directed you in a movie. I'm fully aware of what you do. <laughs> <laughs> he knows you. <laughs> You be telling nobody my secrets. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if it's the last take and the camera's running out of battery. You were still going. I was still going. And it's <laughs> uh, and the movie's awesome. all the better because of it. So I'm here for your rants, my man. No, oh, man, I appreciate you, man. Like you're, you're like, um, you know, it's funny. You know, I did your podcast, and uh, I like when I do things that like I come out, I come out feeling better. You know mm. what I mean? It was just such a good. I've like watched my episode. Outside of other episodes, a million times, and I don't know why, because it's it's something really healing about just having a conversation about yeah. it and just being honest. I think I think you're brilliant, and by mm. creating, you know, man enough, the man enough podcast more than anything, it's helped so many uh, men understand what's actually truly man enough, and it's mm. not from the old school, you know, keep it in macho. That's what that's what they got to name the new books. Yeah. About men. <laughs> yeah. That wanna that wanna be like toxic. Just call it keep it in macho. Keep it in macho. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate it. That's really sweet. But I appreciate that. Uh so like, no, I thank you for having me. I had my that's when I had my full quarantine beard. Oh yeah. It was yeah, and you were look you look good. <laughs> I, but it was crazy. It wasn't good to me. When I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's when I didn't go anywhere. Like I literally when I look at it, I'm like, wait a minute. That was well, my full blown unlined beard. Yeah, because that was one of the first times I, I went anywhere because we weren't allowed to go yep. places. And so we we just said, Look, you know what, let's shoot. And um and yeah, it was so nice to see people. That was about a year ago. Now. That was like a year ago. That that actually was one of my first places I went to, actually. Now that I think about it. That's why I didn't have a haircut. I was just like, <laughs> what I think about this is me coming out the house, like didn't like doing like squinting at the sun. <laughs> like, ah, you know. Kind of looking like me now with my long hair and my beard. So, but you look cool though. Like, like you always look cool. I think you are those people that look cool without trying. You that's know what I mean? that's very sweet, man. I'm gonna join. I'm just gonna hang out with you guys all the time. Get my ego boosted and start to feel a little more <laughs> confident, and secure in myself. Man, just call like, call on in, man. Just call in. Uh, so look, it's a it's a gang of stuff, uh, man. I, I want to get into with you. You know, um, 
But before that, I, th- I thanked you for one thing, but I want to thank you for like, let me be a part of Zach's story. Oh. And, and, um, you know, it, I, I try to describe this set to people, um, you know, his, his mom was there and family. It, it just felt, it felt beautiful. To, it felt like it was healing to them to be there actually. Mm-hmm. Which I think it probably could have been tough. I don't know. I probably had a really tough time, but they were just so nice. And I, I'm at the takes of things, and they'll be standing on the side. You walk past them, and just they give you a little grin, and just mm. almost felt like thank you every time I walk past them. Mm. Um, you know, and this this actually kicks off from something you did that was more personal. You know, when yeah. well, you know, uh, it, let's let's dive into that, like. What made you want to tell a story like Zach's story? Let's go even before you even sure. got it to Zach. Yeah. So, for, I mean, for, any, for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, Rail starred in um, uh, my film Clouds, which you can watch on Disney+. And it's a story of a friend of mine. Um, we became friends because I was making a documentary series called My Last Days. I was an actor for a while and, um, you know, moved to L.A. with big dreams like everybody and had a little moment of success and then just found myself like deeply unhappy and uh, you know, just always going out to play roles where I was, you know, um, you know, shirtless or, you know, <laughs> the, like basically, you know, I'm white. So they were trying to make me like Mexican or Iraqi or all of the various different things. Cause that's what Hollywood does to those of us who are ambiguous. And I was just like, what am I doing with my life? Mm. <laughs> And I have a I have a very deep spiritual belief. I'm a Baha'i. And in the Baha'i faith, we believe in the unity of all the religions. Like we're all different chapters in one book. There's one God. God loves all of us. And uh, we think of the religions like grades in a school, first grade through eighth grade. You move on. You don't hate your last teacher. You just bring it with you. Um, and the purpose is unity. And there's a lot of talk about and teachings about what happens after this life and where we go next. And I've always been fascinated by it because it seems to me like the one thing we will never talk about. We don't want to talk about like what happens when we die because our lives are so important to us here. It's hard to imagine us not existing. And yet when you look at history, it's very clear, like, you know, we're going to die one day as dark as it is. You guys are looking at me now like, why did we invite Justin on this podcast? This must be funny. <laughs> no, well, uh, well, well, first, first of all, first of all we, could, we, could, we could pause right there real quick because I, I want to jump in on something. Yeah, please. You know, it's so interesting. That I didn't even know that, like, a Baha- like, I didn't know that existed because that's how I live my life, mm-hmm. just in general. I grew up, you know, growing up in a Baptist church. And as I traveled the world, I just was like, why would God have one way of, teaching all these different types of people around the world. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense, right? And so I love the fact that you brought that up because I think that's why I like people so much because I like respect everybody's route to getting to their faith. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's the same. Love is really what, and I know as corny as that sound, that's truly what it comes down to. It's love. Well, that's that's the fundamental building block of all religions. It's love. They're all different ladders that just get you to the same place. The difference is, it's like, you know, some are a little more rusty and, you know, you, you maybe mm-hmm. you want, you know, there's newer, more attractive ones. I don't know. Anyone can look at it differently, but they're all taking us to the same place. And, uh, and so for me, it was, I was always just thinking about like, wow, where do we go? What happens? And as I have been dealing with my fear around death, I had this idea to make this show where I just traveled and talked to people who were living with terminal illnesses. And I met this amazing young kid named Zach when I was doing the show. I gave up acting. I was broke. My house went into foreclosure, but I was happy. And I mm. was, and I felt like I was living my purpose. You know, I was directing, I was at $4,000 an episode. It was for YouTube, but I just believed that it could make a difference. And then Zach's video became like one of the most viral YouTube videos ever. It was the 22 minute long documentary. It got like 14 million views and, and I was like, oh, wow, this can work. Like, people are hungry for it. And so when I fell back into acting and I started building my company and, you know, directing movies, that was the, always one of the ones I wanted to make, like the sto- Zach's story, because I just felt it could really touch people and make a difference. And, um, and yeah, and so that's when I reached out. That's when I slid into your DMs uh, <laughs> in, uh, uh, in a very different way. And, and you responded, man. And... And because I, I knew I couldn't get you. 
I knew getting you was going to be really hard. You were, you know, just off of, uh, you know, some huge movies and I don't know. You, I don't know how you do it. You make like 30 movies a year. I've never <laughs> you and you and Sam Jackson. I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> uh, but but when I pitched it to you, you were like, oh, wow, this sounds really beautiful. And I was like, this is not at all the guy I thought he was. And luckily, that helps when we reached out to your agents. You know, we didn't have any money. It was a you know, at the time it was a Warner Brothers movie. It was a it was a it was a small but really important role. Cause it was the comic relief of the movie and I knew I needed, I needed you. I just knew it and you did it, mm. man. And you flew between different sets and you brought so, you, like you brought so much relief. Like when I make movies, especially emotional ones, I think of it like pressure and you're building the pressure, building the pressure, building the pressure. And we need somebody like you to relieve the pressure. And when that pressure gets relieved, like, oh, we can relax and we can laugh. And then the pressure builds again. And that's what you offered us. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, such yeah, such a great crew. That crew we worked with on Fatherhood too, which was great yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it. You know what it is, and if this anything, I don't, I don't talk about much, but like I'm big on stuff with heart in it, man. Like I love heartfelt things. Yeah, like I try to make stuff that I will watch, <laughs> and like clouds, just the whole story, man. I when you when you told me about, it, I was like. Okay, because let's think about it. I'm playing a white man, really, right? The real Mister Weaver is <laughs> is a is a a real whole white man. There's not a lot of black folks in uh, in that part of Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a whole like you know like, like just like you're a cool white guy, right? You look cool. <laughs> Mr. Weaver was a straight up white guy. Like if you look at white dude in the dictionary, they'd be like, Mr. Weaver would be right there. And so like <laughs> to embrace it. And now you know what's funny about it? I think I forgot how he even got a chance to communicate to Mr. Weaver. I don't know if it's Instagram. But it felt like he was so happy that I played him. He was. He was so happy. He's never been so cool in his entire life. He was so happy. One of my favorite, one of my favorite memories, though, was when you and I first got to really know each other. We were sitting in uh, wherever we were. It was like lunch, and we sat next to each other. And you started telling me some of your favorite movies were Hallmark movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sat and had lunch together on set. And I was, and I, and I, I, first of all, I thought you were playing a joke on me. And... <laughs> But then I, you were so earnest about it. You're like, oh, I love Hallmark movies. I want to make a Hallmark movie. And I was like, who is this guy? And you started talking about how much your kids and how much you love them. And you were so open. And, you know, you, you're, you know you're a movie star. And I'm making a little movie. And you're just like talking about all this. And you just, anyways, I just, I fell in love with you that day. And I just was so grateful. Um, so you tell me to jump, I'll jump, man. Anything you need from me ever, I'm here. Well, you know what's crazy? I, I think that's uh I think the beautiful part about being in our our work world, um I think you learn you don't have to be whatever traditionally has always been. Like you can come yeah. in with morals and um and just being a cool person. Hmm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It makes things easier. Life a set is easier when everybody is Cool. <laughs> like, guys, it don't have to be a weird thing if everybody just nice and cool. <laughs> and so that's what I love about working with you, which which is why I can't wait to work with you again. You know what I mean? Well, we're gonna and do I it. Like the f- maybe even uh maybe this year. There's some we're talking about something. There's some cooking. No, it's some cooking. I know. I got your text. I know what it is. <laughs> now I'm gonna tell you this: the book I'm looking forward to. Okay, you have a book coming out in October. Mm-hmm. Yes, Boys would be human. Yes, sir. That that's the book. That's the the guy book on the what the kids ten years old and up are they're able to express rather than repress. Correct. Ooh, I'm gonna steal that. See what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you should you should have wrote the book. Um, <laughs> no, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it comes out uh-huh. in October. I, I the book that's. Uh, so awkwardly sitting between you both right now, uh, my, my with my face on it, uh, is man enough. And um, I I felt like, look, it's really hard to get men to read a book about masculinity because we don't think anything is wrong. So I really felt like we needed to go to the age when we when it really gets defined for us when 
the bullying and the shaming and um, the policing really starts for young boys. And so I wrote this for like middle grade boys because I don't know about you guys, but my middle grade years were terrible. <laughs> and uh, our bodies are changing and like stuff's all out of place and um, things are, you know, hair is growing and, you you know, everything is just weird. And um, <laughs> and uh, and then and people are just mean and kids are mean because we're in, they're all insecure and everything's happening to them, too. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody, right. Like, right. Nobody talked to me about sex. Nobody talked to me about porn. Nobody talked to me about any of these things. Everybody was so afraid of it. Just like nobody talks about death, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to write this book for boys so that, I don't know, I feel like all of us needed like an older brother that we didn't have. Right. Uh, an older brother who can actually get real with us. And, and Rel, you might have had that in your family. but um, Well, I'm going to tell you something interesting. What I love about this is, you know, and this is one section of it, is... Young men respecting their own bodies. Men are not really raised to respect their bodies. Because if they respected their bodies more, we, you know, I think about the accomplishments of, I'm going to have sex this early. Like, I, you all had like a kid that was like 11, like, yo, I'm doing it to like 15 years. He's like, what? Yeah. And so, but that, and that was something to brag about. When in real, yeah. in real reality, that might ruin this young man's life because of how he sees things sexually. And that's because we wasn't raised to be like, hey, this is my body. And this is like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I remember one of, the, uh, the, one of my last girlfriends, I remember me and her going back and forth one day. And like, we had an argument and she still wanted to do it. Right. And I got <laughs> mad. Like, look, this is my body and I'm not doing it. And I like stormed <laughs> out the room. <laughs> With my robe on. I was like, what just happened? And I'm going to be coming back and she apologized. Because mm. she's like, oh, huh. it is. And I'm like, and that's, and the only reason I did that, because like maybe like before that, I started really thinking about this. Like, oh, yeah. we never really embraced our bodies. I think, honestly, this is straight up real. I think I was watching an interview with Art Kelly and him talking about sleeping with grown women when he was young. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, that had to truly affect this guy. Like straight up affect it because we're told to like, if long as we have it, like even with like, and I hate to bring up people, but it's all public. I don't care. (laughs) Lil Bootsy fans, right? The rapper Lil Bootsy. I don't know if you know who Lil Boosie is, but no idea, no idea. Just just a clueless, just a clueless white guy on the other side of the camera, right here. Hey, hey, Lil Boosie, all right. Brother got he his his young son hired a woman. To like sleep yeah. with him and give him like, oh. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's that's a you know what's about April, right? Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about that while while y'all were talking about it because he, um, I think mm. has like this mindset that if he does it to them early, like if they experience a woman early, then they won't be gay. Yeah, I think that was actually like yeah, the, it's all it's all rooted the in, it's all rooted it. in homophobia, which mm. is also crazy because as a grown woman doing that, a lot of people don't even bat an eye because it's a woman with a boy and like oh boys want sex but if that was a grown man mm-hmm. <laughs> doing that to a nine-year-old girl because i think his son was nine when it happened oh. you oh know it would be a totally nine? different it'd be like a t- yeah he was like nine or ten years old he was young yeah wow. he was really young wow. and it's so weird like i like now i'll say this i'm thankful for my family like i'm the oldest but like my mother just made me really comfortable talking to her about anything mm-hmm. and everything. Like when I lost my virginity, I told her, mm. even though I was like extra grown. Mm. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like a twenty-year-old man. Like, mom, I lost my virginity. You like, lost okay. your virginity at twenty? Yeah, I was, bro. I was old. Wow, I was an old virgin. I was well, twenty. I, guess... I was also twenty. Oh, was really? 20. Okay. It was so funny. It was like I've been losing my virginity and had like. I don't even, well, it's just terrible, I guess. But I said, I don't remember the girl's name, but she made me really comfortable. Okay. Hmm. She made me really, she understood. I was like, and I didn't matter to her, like, this is my first, like, I was bragging about being a virgin at one point, like, yeah, I ain't did it yet. Like, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then I made, it was at that time, made more girls like me, but like, I'm a, so you ain't did it yet. Okay. Yeah, I'll be your first. Like, wait a minute, lady, I ain't ready yet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but but it's so interesting that like, and that's why I, I love about this book is it's so much to embrace. And and we just grew up as men not able to talk about those. Even when you said if they gave sex education classes, it wasn't, it was almost kind of one perspective of it. Always. It was like, don't have a baby. Hmm. 
That's it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah no, that was all it was. Yeah. Don't have a baby. I mean, people she got are, stuff. You got stuff. Don't are, have a baby. People are even afraid to teach sex education and talk about condoms because then, then they're having sex. It's like we're so in denial, and yet mm-hmm. it's a it's a part of our culture. It's literally a gift that God gave us, right? It's how we procreate in many ways. People who are heterosexual, and it's like. We, we can't run from it. Why do we not talk about it? And who decides the age in which kids are ready to talk about it? You know, I, I mean, and this isn't in this book. I mean, maybe someone will write this book. But I think that young boys should learn what pleasure is and how to like, mm. okay, if you're a heterosexual man, like, how do you pleasure a woman? Don't, it's not from watching porn. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do the stuff that you see there. That's not going to make it, right? But, but, nobody, but nobody's talking about these types of things. And I think that's one of the... That's one of been that's been one of my missions just in general is I want to talk about the stuff that nobody's talking about so that we can start to heal, man. I feel like we are we have so much trauma, so much trauma from our childhoods, passed down from generations. I mean, we're talking there's trauma from hundreds of years. I mean, there is so much trauma just living in our bodies right now. And as men, we don't know how to let that trauma move through us because we're taught like we got to be brave and strong and tough and impermeable. Um, we got to protect and provide. We got to be robots. And mm. robots don't have emotions. So mm. how can we process trauma when we don't allow ourselves to feel? So like the late, great Bell Hooks, right? With one of the great feminist authors of our time, a black woman. She writes, the greatest act of violence that men commit in a patriarchy is not violence against women. It's violence against themselves. And that's when we commit an act of soul murder, when we, when we literally kill our souls by numbing ourselves to our feeling. Mm. So we don't know how to cry. We don't know how to emote. We don't know how to have joy or how to dance and be free. Now, I know some of this is culturally specific, um, but I can speak on behalf of most white men here. Like, we're not free in our bodies. We don't know that. And so how do I, how do I cry when if I cry, I'm seen as a pussy? Right. Mm. Or uh, reference or the homophobia comes in or I'm seen as gay, which means I'm less than. Right. In or, and, and like the pecking order of like the patriarchy, if you will. So then I, I, I don't have any room. I'm, I have a very narrow definition of who I'm allowed to be. And if I deviate from that path, then it's scary. It's the only thing. Let's think about it this way. As men, we don't realize this, but every day when we wake up and we go out into the world, we have to prove that we're men. Hmm. It's it's like it can be taken away from us. Someone yeah. can decide. One of our boys can decide that like we're not a man that day. But it's that's a, if this is who I am. You can't take that away from me. But the world can, and that's how we operate. We're in fight or flight. We're like our shield, our armor is on all the time. We got to make sure that we are men. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't happen to women. Women they don't have their femininity taken from them. Their femininity is innate to them. Their emotion. Their, their capacity to love, their sensitivity, their, their, um, you know, their, their, their sweetness, their softness. This is, a who, this is, this is who they are. They don't, if, if, they, if they're not that, they're maybe in their masculine or we, we say like they're acting like a guy. But for men, no, we can take that away. So I just want to talk about it so that we can like be fucking free. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Well, that's funny, too. Not funny, but like real as far as both sides of the coin goes, right? Because once again, when you do have women that step up to the plate, you know, they're like, well, you're trying to be a man. You're trying to be this, you're trying to be that. And it's like, no, this is like, 
this is the situation. <laughs> this is what I got to do. That's what they have to do, right? That's and I think it's just we you know. And you said this earlier. This our world, especially our country, is so traumatized. Oh man, yeah, so much by so many things. I think right now because we're being able to think a lot freely, everything's being exposed to how messed up everything is. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> like, oh, this yeah. is. Truly messed up. I mean, right now we're seeing a real battle. I mean, when you just think about like you know what's going on with the Senate and a, and, a, and a, abortion, like yeah. oh my god, tell yeah. women what to do with their bodies, right? It's like as simple as this sound with us talking about it. We like this don't sound crazy to y'all, you know? Because you know it's so interesting because we just have unfortunately we had a school shootings where it's like. Yeah, y'all want to have children, but you don't protect them? Yeah, it's... Yeah. What the fuck are y'all talking about? You know what I mean? Like, what are y'all... This doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> when, but when you look at the history, and it's so funny, I, I looked back. Um, this is a book I'm getting into, an, an indigenous people's history of the United States. Um, mm. it's a, and when you look at our history, it does make sense. Mm. It all makes sense. You know, uh, the fact that 50 years ago, 40 years ago, we, could, we couldn't be doing this together. Mm. Um, I mean, it's the, you can touch the history. The, I mean, we interact every day with people whose grandparents are still alive who were anti-Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights movement, right? You think, right. That, that is, you think that's not passed on from generations, right? And yeah. we're so detached from, from who we are from our souls. And we're so, I think we're just so focused on fighting against something instead of fighting for something. It's like, what do we believe in? What do you really, what did Jesus really stand for? For love. It wasn't, Jesus wasn't about like all the things you shouldn't do or you shouldn't be. He was about the things you should do and you should be. But we're so focused. It's almost like we have so much trauma. All of us, none of us feel like we're enough in any way. So we faction ourselves. We align with people who share similar beliefs of the things that we are against. So it's via hate mm. that we unite instead of via mm. love and our, and our similarities, which is one of the reasons why I love my faith so much. So it's, just, it's all rooted in love and this idea that we're all one. Baha'u'llah says we are the fruits of one tree and the leaves of one branch. Like we're all one. So like we're fighting over a, a, a fucking sandbox. We're like, my kids are four and six. We are four and six. When I turn on the news, I'm like, these are, we're just a bunch of children fighting over toys in the sandbox and everybody wants to be right. Mm. And then, and then people are having tantrums and storming off. The only difference is, is like, they're not playing with toy guns. They're playing with AR-15s. That's right. And, and, and so we have to find a way to like, you know, and look, comedy is one way of doing it. You guys can say things in comedy that can pierce the heart and the veils of the most cold, shut-in people, and you can give them truth. And that's what movies are for, and that's what conversations like this are for. Well, I'm you glad change. you said that. Well, my bad. Like, no, I was going to say, even with comedy, you know, when I see comics participate in the hate conversations, like, you're, you're making this funny to promote the hate part of it. Yeah. And I hate to see that. And we're seeing a lot more of that today, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Uh, because it does go to, it's, and this is what's weird, right? We talking about, I'm a, you know, I'm a man of faith also. You know, and I've, I've had this debate with a lot of my friends, even most recently. It's like, I always think it's funny when people try to hide things from God, right? <laughs> I was you know like, what I mean? Like, what? you can drive to the club. If I want to play some Walter Hawkins and Yolanda Adams... You think it's going to change? God, no, I'm going to the club. <laughs> like, if I want to hear a gospel song before I walk in a club, it won't change shit. Because <laughs> God knows that's happening. And so I think, you know, with the society that's uh, that's always existed, it's it's about hiding things. Yeah. Hmm. And, and people use religion to hide things. Like, when, when the day when people stop humanizing God, You'll live life so much better. God is not us. Why would God be that judgmental? Why would God do this? Why would God, you know, even when you, you know, sometimes when people get mad at God, like, God, why you didn't you stop this war? And why do you do this? Look, if I created something, I would want to see what y'all going to (laughs) do. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, go ahead. I'm not going to intervene 
Right. Every like, I want to see how you make these decisions. That is the point of all this. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I, I love the fact, you know, and that's why I love talking to you, even just today. It's just when people stop hiding from everything, hiding from I look, yeah. if you truly hate somebody, just say it. <laughs> Don't give me a version of wait a minute. I'm nah, you're lying. And you can't help yourself. And I think that's what we're seeing now is the the volcanoes erupting. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All over. <laughs> the ring of fire, that volcano that's erupting everywhere. But and it's passed I, down, like you said. I, I think it becomes really hard to hate people when you learn to love yourself. Yeah. Mm. That's what I was thinking, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so much of it comes from... A hatred of our own selves you know it's like why are we the most triggered by the people we're the most like hmm. they remind right. they remind us of the things we don't like about ourselves that's why, our that's shortcomings why, yeah it's why our family triggers us so much you know yeah you know you show me you show me the most evolved person in the world and you put his mom and dad and sister and brother in a room for four hours together i'll show you somebody who's about to break <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's real. it's just like, you know, and sure, there are exceptions to the rule, but so much of my personal work is if I can get right with those people, I can get right with anybody. Mm-hmm. And they love, and I grew up in a loving family, but in my family, there was so much shit swept under the rug too, but mm-hmm. they weren't, they weren't even aware that they were doing it. And so I grew up because at the end of the day, I'm sure you guys can find this for yourselves, but I believe that all of us are an amalgamation of, sure, our inherent potential of who God wants us to be, and also the mm. outcome of our trauma. Mm. So those two things together create this trauma response that also I believe, this is where God comes in and faith, I believe that it puts us on a path. So what happened happened, it couldn't have happened any other way. I was made to tell stories. However, my particular trauma encouraged me to be a truth seeker. I can't handle when things are not said. If someone mm-hmm. doesn't like me, I need to be the person that's like, I know you don't, you clearly don't like me. And I, whatever I did, I'm sorry. Let's talk about it. I can't handle it. We need to talk about things. And everywhere I look, nobody's talking about anything. Mm. Right? And then, of course, now you mix in social media. Mm. You mix in all of the, you, you know, you talk about the comedy that's going towards the hate. So much of it is we're, we're living in an attention economy where everybody has an attention like a goldfish. Five seconds. TikTok. <laughs> Get your point across in five seconds. Make sure the top of the video is the ending or the most important. And so we're all just, everyone's like competing for likes and follows, right? It's all a dopamine rush. Everyone's trying to feel like they're enough. And so the easiest common denominator is the lowest, which mm. is, oh, let me go to the hate because what happens when you're driving down the 405 freeway, for those of us in California, and there's an accident on the side of the road, everybody stops because they want to see the drama. They want to see, oh, is everybody okay? Is there a car crash? That's what we do in life. We gravitate towards the negative. We gravitate towards the car crashes. When in reality, if we could live in the light, if we could live in the optimism, if we could take the path less traveled and be more hopeful and carve a new path forward, sure, it might not be as instant. You might not get as many likes. You might not get as much money for a Netflix deal. But you'll be happy, mm-hmm. and you'll make a bigger difference in the world, and God sees all of it. You know what's interesting? I think that's why, like, you know how people get mad at you for, like, like I'm one of those people that know when I do something wrong. I'm like, yeah, I was wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, they can get mad at you for just being casual about it. But it's like, no, I've owned that I'm not perfect. Like, <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I can't even get that angry at myself because I'm like, well, s- something else probably going to happen. And I can't, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, I don't have it in me anymore to be like, oh, this is, it's like, I got to just be like, all right, it happened. I got to move on from yeah, it's it. It's all what about, it is. it's all about pivoting through all situations to continue. Well, It'd be great. but that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. That's, that makes it, it's interesting. Like, I think life gets better when you don't run away from what's not dope about you. Yeah, you go into it. You go into it. I mean, every, every single movie that we love is based on Joseph Campbell's principle where you go into those parts of yourself that suck. <laughs> you go into the into the the forest. You go, you know, it's all a metaphor for the journey that we have to take as heroes, that that hero's journey into the shit about ourselves that's terrible to become to become who we're meant to be, but we don't do that. 
in real life. By the way, when you said you apologize, it made me think. So when I, my, my vows to my wife, <laughs> I apologized <laughs> for all of the times I'm going to fuck up in our marriage. <laughs> nice. Nice. I literally, Smart. I literally was like, I'm so sorry for all the ways <laughs> I'm going to screw this up and fall short. And thank you in advance for not leaving me. Man, uh, man got ahead, ahead of it quick. So, uh, wait, wait, tip, did you do that? You did that at the wedding? At our wedding, as we're reading our vows. It was in my vows. Because I'm like, what am I going to say? Like, what promise can I make except the only promise that I can truly make is the promise that I am going to screw up. Like, I am going to say stupid shit. I'm going to like, you know... Mm -hmm. insult her or hurt her feelings and that's that's i know that about myself <laughs> but what i also can promise is that i'll bounce back and that i'll call myself out on it and i won't stay there and i won't deny it and i will learn from it and that's been true you know nine years of marriage so far i have messed up more times than i can count thank god i said it <laughs> in those vows so except she forgets uh about those vows a lot because i need to apologize. You, better, you put you pull out that dvd like wait a minute now this is what i said <laughs> do you remember i called it <laughs> I, I said it. this. I said it up front. Now, everybody was there. Everybody saw this. Here we go. Now, real went into it, and you talked about this in your TED talk. Uh, if you feel ashamed of anything, you go straight straight to it instead of running away from it. So, what what got you there, like to to do that? Um, I mean, I was so tired of running away. Mm -hmm. I mean, that TED Talk was, I mean, first of all, I tried to run away from that TED Talk, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I tried to back out of that multiple times um, mm -hmm. because, you know, I kind of felt like when, look, when you guys asked, I have massive imposter syndrome. So you, so when you guys asked me to be on this podcast, my first thought oh, was wow. like, I am not funny at all. Why, why what am, what am I going to do on, on Rel's podcast? Uh, and so that was my first, like literally my first thought. And I'm constantly having to rewire my brain. To remind myself, like, okay, he knows I'm not funny. He doesn't want it. He doesn't need me to be funny. Because old Justin would have just been, like, trying to be funny this whole time and not going deep. Mm. But real, mm. but who I am today is someone that's like, I might make a joke. It might not work. But let me go and show you who I am. And I, for so many years, especially as a man, was just trying to be who I thought everybody wanted me to be. Who society wanted me to be. And if there was an issue, what I learned in my family was, no, we don't, you know. You can kind of talk about it a little bit, but don't don't spend too much time there. Reli mm -hmm. Religion also uses a lot of this. You know, yeah. my mom was Jewish, my dad was Catholic, and there's a lot of guilt on both of those sides. And sure, this idea that like God will absolve you of your sins, but there's also, like you said, this idea like, let's just pretend like it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what we do. So for me, I was like, okay, how come as a man I'm told that I should work my ass off in the gym? I should... No, I need to lift heavier weight. I need to keep I need to keep pushing until I feel the burn. How come that's okay? But emotionally, I'm not allowed. I have to stay away from the things that hurt and burn. There was a disconnect for me. And I was tired of running. And I realized mm -hmm. that my relationships were suffering in my life, with my family, with my friends, because I wasn't actually honoring who I was in each of the moments that I was in and what a gift I can be. But if I don't believe in myself, if I'm not full of myself, then if I just have massive imposter syndrome everywhere I go, I'm just gonna be whoever the world wants me to be. So I started going into it and it was uncomfortable and it was painful, but I've never been more grounded. I've never been happier. Joy feels different. Mm. Pain, pain mm. can visit me, but it doesn't have to live with me. Nice. And, uh, and it's because I'm actually addressing it. And the best way I can describe it is, you know, I'm raising a four-year-old and a six-year-old right now. They are, she, my six-year-old, and I know, well, you've been through this. She, I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's happening emotionally inside of her, but there are times when there's a monster. Um, wow. and, and I'm like, what's happening? And she'll be in a great mood. And then suddenly she'll ask for a different fork and she's screaming and crying and my wife and I are looking at each other. And what we've learned is that our first impulse as adults, as people is that we want to stop what's happening. I want to stop. I want to fix the tantrum. I want to try to figure out what's wrong with my daughter, what's wrong with my son. When in reality, what we've learned is that children have free access to their feelings. And during the day, over the course of a child's day, they experience lots and lots of trauma little things because they don't process the world in the way that we do yet. So not getting something that they want is traumatic for them. 
It mm. could be compared to a big trauma for an adult. And they store that trauma in their body. And then when that trauma reaches a point where they can't contain it anymore, their bodies just know they have to let it out. Mm. And what they mm. found is when they measured the tears of children, they looked at what was inside those tears. They found stress hormones. We're literally clearing out our stress hormones when we're allowing our children to cry. Mm. And yet we stop doing that as adults. We stop doing that. So at a certain point, our parents made us stop crying. We tell all the boys, no, 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 man up. No crying in baseball. Can't cry. Well, what are we doing? We're keeping all that stress inside of our bodies. So by going into the pain, by allowing ourselves to feel whatever it is that we're feeling, we're actually freeing ourselves. We're cleansing ourselves. We're cleansing our bodies. And it allows it to pass. And it's so simple. Mm. It's like, okay, you work out to the point where you grow muscle. Like it has to burn and then, it, and then your muscles get bigger. It's very simple. It's the same thing happens spiritually and emotionally. You go to the place where it hurts, it gets released, you feel better. Mm. That's such a, that, like, and that's what I was talking about earlier. Like when you get to that point, it's, it's, it's tough to do that, first of all. It's not an easy thing to do. Oh, I struggle all the time. But, oh, and therapy helped that. Like I, every therapy session I go to, even when I don't know it's something else, it's something else. It's like, oh, ah. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, wow. okay. This is a thing too. Okay, ah. <laughs> which is most of the time I'm literally driving from therapy. I was joking with them maybe a couple episodes ago in tears. So if you pull up next to me, it's like <laughs> a lot of times it's happy tears. Like I got my favorite soul playing. It's like I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, this has to happen. For me to function, this has to happen. <laughs> and which is so funny too, because it's funny you talk about like even coming to do the podcast. And I like, I don't know what anybody expects when they come to do this, because it's like, I'm just keeping it, I just want it to be straight and real. Just like, keep it I don't real. Care. Yeah. And which is what I love about comedy too. Like, if you do comedy from a real place and not a not plotting. Not planning, not saying this is where I'm gonna go, and that's how I've always done my stand up. Mm -hmm. I've done whole specials where I didn't know what I was gonna do. I hate to stand. I'm saying this, and then the HBO people are like, "I do it." You're like, <laughs> right, like exactly. <laughs> it's up there winging it for millions of dollars. Uh, uh, <laughs> but that's what's my skill. My skill set comes from that because I'm. I let my comedy feel the moment. I let. Mm. I let. When I get into character on stage, I'm let like it was a time I had to stop doing my mom because I missed her way too much. Mm, yeah, and so I, it, I'm talking about people be dying laughing in a crowd, and I'll be just standing there looking at them, trying not to cry. Yeah, because even though I just impersonated her and we're laughing, I'm like, oh, I really, oh, I really missed this woman because I would yeah. dive so far into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I like. What I love about doing this podcast so far is that we've been able to just go to real places and without trying, you know. Yeah. Because laughter is medicine too. Yeah, hell yeah, it is. <laughs> God loves laughter. You, man, because I, I, honestly, that's how I picture God most of the time cracking <laughs> <Yeah>. up. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm like crying, like, God, why is this happening? And God be like, bro, this happened before, bro. <laughs> do I need to show you a replay of this happening again? You did the same thing. You're like, ah, right, you're right. And you got and you got through. You got through. So, brother, relax. It's part of the game. You know what I mean? <laughs> God has you to know? have a sense of humor. Oh, he has to have a sense of humor. They, she, he, whatever God is, has to have a sense of humor. God has has to have the biggest sense of humor, right? Yeah. At at all times. And that's what I don't know, man. I, that's that's what I love about talking to you, man. Just talk to anybody that's like. That's comfortable in their own skin. And I honestly think Hollywood helps expose that if you're able to take yourself out of it a bit and then really explore who you are and your feelings. Yeah. Because it speeds the process up. Like, you get a little fame under you, it just speeds everything up. Everything is sped up. Everything is no, enhanced. It just shows you who you are, right? Man, it's a mirror right there. Like, <laughs> hey, you got everything. Now, are you, are you happy with who you are? And it's like, Ooh. And most of, the, most of the time, we're not. You know, Most of the time not, that's no. the same thing I tell. That's the same thing I tell parents. It's like I, I see people that are like newly married or thinking about getting married, and they're like, "Oh, we should have a kid." And I'm like, "No, no, no! You guys are about to break up. Uh, 
Well, what? <laughs> They're like, no, but, but maybe, but maybe a kid will fix it. I'm like, no, it's the last thing that you want to do right now. Yeah. Is mm. because a kid, just like money or fame, is just going to show you the problems that are already there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And except now and you have you a new bring, life there. And then you bring a life, right? So now you bring a life into tension. <laughs> yeah. That's and nothing is fixed. There. And then they're just repeating oh. the cycle, right? No, that's sorry, generational trauma right there. That kid come out like, hey, wait, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I did not ask for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you could have waited, okay? Hey, 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 hey Justin. Yes, sir. Just, I really want to get into uh, self-care practices, man. Oh. Um, let's get this right now. Uh, biohacking. April really wants to know about this tape over the mouth, man. Uh, while you sleep. So, come on. Give, just give me a little bit on that. The taping over the mouth? Yeah, yeah. please. Please. April, April, where did you hear me talk about that? Um, It was some interview that you did where you oh, said you sleep with tape on your mouth to increase the nitric oxide to your brain. And that... I need to know, where did you learn this and what kind of tape do you use? I know. So it makes me sound like it's like a Silence of the Lambs thing, this visual of like my mouth shut. No, so... Um... <laughs> That's exactly what I was visualizing. <laughs> <laughs> Cause, cause, oh, and then, like, and then also, like, I'm like, because is it a special tape? Because, you know, if it's like in the middle of the night and like Emily pokes you, do you have to like take it off? Like, how does... <laughs> I need to know the intel on the tape. All right. So look, this is, it's embarrassing, but it's also amazing. Um, so I have always, so I have, a, a, despite having a huge nose, I have, I've had obstructed airwaves in this big nose. And I had a surgery for a deviated septum when I was, I think about 10 years ago. So I'd say I was dating my wife at the time and I'd be sitting there with her and she'd say to me like, baby, breathe. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm breathing. And as it turns out, I spent most of my life holding my breath. And I think a lot of men do this because we're, we're just sitting here like tense all the fucking time. And I was, and she'd say I'd make these sounds. Like I'd be sitting there and after like a minute of not breathing, it'd sound like, like a little air coming out of a balloon. And then I realized that I was a mouth breather, number one, because I was never fully able to breathe out of my nose. So I went in, I had the surgery so I could breathe better out of my nose. And a lot of the research that I looked at just pointed to increased nitric oxide is just so important for our overall health. And mm-hmm. our, our body needs nitric oxide to survive. Um, and, uh, and, you know, when we breathe through our mouths, we're not giving our, ourselves a chance to actually, you know, create it. I mean, it's kind of like a filter. Our nose goes through our nose and it goes, it's distributed through our body and our brain. Um, so I sleep with mouth tape so that I, at night I breathe just through my nose. And, uh, mm. and at first it was really hard. I wear these like kind of nasal strips. So I look, I look mm-hmm. like a mess at night when I go to sleep. I got the nasal strips <laughs> on, I got the mouth tape and I just use a really simple medical grade mouth tape so I can just take it right off. Um, and you can also okay. breathe through it. There's a, there's a, what, there's a company called Somnifix or something that actually makes a mouth tape that has a hole in it. The whole okay. idea is not to like not breathe at all through your mouth. It's just to train yourself to breathe through your nose more. And they've also found, and they've even, they've even found that um, children who breathe, who grow up breathing only through their mouth have different facial structures. Mm. Um, So it's like a, like a, like they're even saying like a, well, a really proportioned face um, is like a, because then um, it's, it's, it's nose breathing and then it changes the way your jaw is set even. Um, So yeah. So it's really interesting. It's, you know, I'm into all that biohacking longevity stuff, but all of it at the end of the day. It's just about optimization. And I understand also that like if I didn't do that, I would be fine. Um, but if I'm here, we're here, why not? Like why not try to optimize? I get one body, you know, why not try yeah. to make it work a little bit better? April's about to go buy this tape as soon as this is over. I actually it was already good. I was like, okay. Uh, see. No, I was Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
Even when you just brought up children, it made me think about that too. Because I think about a little hard on my youngest and just breathing. Like mm. it's interesting. It, yeah, it got me over here deep and really thinking about it. I'm looking at I'm looking at my kids a lot, just in general. You know, I'm 38 now, and I'm even looking at the way that they move and they move their bodies, and they can do stuff so naturally that I can't do. Like I would I would break my back trying to get into their positions and their squats <laughs> and things. And so one of the so for me, self care right now is looking at my children, mm. and I'm watching how joyful they are when they go outside and they're excited about something. How my, how my, my daughter, when I, I'll, I, like I, I take her into Target and she says, this is the best day of my life, you know, and she's just so happy. <laughs> and I'm like, we're, we're just in Target. Are you sh- okay? But what, but what is it? What is it about them that allows themselves to feel the joy, to feel happy, to, be, to have the wonder when they look at the world, to move their bodies and to play? And I want to be more like them. And more free. And so when I think about self-care, I think about how I can unlearn so much of the stuff and the trauma and the way that I've been forced to be and strip that away and be free. You know, be free to sing terrible karaoke. Be free to dance and not look good and look silly. You know, Mm -hmm. be free to cry when I have feelings. If I'm angry to to go into the garage and scream like a little kid. My God, boys, have you ever done that? If you have not, I tell you, the next time you're really pissed about somebody or something, somebody hurts you, find a second to be alone, go into your car, and just scream from like a primal place, from like your belly, fucking hit the steering wheel, whatever you got to do, underneath that scream is going to be another feeling. Hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you'll allow yourself to feel it. Therapy's taught me this. Being, getting in my body has taught me this. That's really, for me, self-care. Hmm. So no reason to ask you about the cold plunge. No, no. <laughs> the cold plunge is a metaphor, right? The, uh, cold, the cold plunge is a metaphor for like exactly what you asked me earlier, which was your question mm-hmm. of like going into that feeling. Mm-hmm. Why the hell would I want to jump into an ice cold bucket of water? Like that's not, that's crazy. Like that's not mm-hmm. fun. It's mm-hmm. like, it's damn near psychopathic. Like it's terrible. Mm. I I have a sauna. Okay, I want to go. I'll be in the sauna for a few minutes, but I don't want to get into the cold. But that is how we're trained to also look at life. There's so many things that we are told to run away from. So the mm. cold, for me, by the way, I have not gotten in it recently. I will admit that the last three or four months, I have not been mentally strong enough to get in. I'm like, nah, I just I'm just gonna let that. I'm just gonna let that go, uh, <laughs> because and and I know where I am emotionally based on. Am I willing to sit in the cold? Can I sit in cold for two, three minutes and not get out? And oftentimes, once I'm in it, it's not the problem. It's getting in it. It's having, yeah, yeah. The, it's having the conversation that we don't want to have. It's going yeah. into the discomfort. It's admitting something. It's admitting you failed in front of your whole team or your company or a movie set. Whatever that is, that's the cold plunge. That's what it represents for me. Wow. So that's why okay. we have it. Let me but, tell you something. I loved it. And I just... I want to rewind something back real quick. You know, you're talking about your children and mm-hmm. just how free they are, how free they feel. Mm-hmm. That is an uh, applause to you and your wife. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I think a lot of, I, I always say this, I feel like this generation of children growing up in general, I just, they're just freer. Like, I have, I have my son on one of the episodes we just did, and I just loved hearing him talk. Oh. He just sounds yeah. like a free, smart kid that can have all these thoughts and this and that. And to me, that's like, um, I don't know, it felt like an applause to me and his mom. Like, all right, this kid, he can just think how he want to. And that's dope to me. Like, oh, wow, you have all these ideas that you do. Like, you're just, you're comfortable in your own skin. Mm. And that's just a beautiful thing because it's like, I think about how many times I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it took me almost, what, till I'm 40 to be like, oh, I'm finally comfortable in my own skin. Like, when wild? you meet a person that's comfortable, it's it's wild, but it's become beautiful to me, too. Like, I can't even... It's so funny. It is wild, but I don't even have time to complain about it. Yeah. Mm, it's true. like, I got here. Fuck You it. got here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Because I know so many people that still haven't got there. Like, I'm mm-hmm. literally chilling in that. Like, <laughs> uh, we, we went out to dinner last night, me and my kids and my girlfriend and her daughters. And it's just that moment of like just sitting at the head of the table. It's kind of old school, but just watching everybody be happy. Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's nice." The kids are happy. They having conversations. They're laughing. 
<laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's what it's all about. It is. I'm chilling. So Give me a cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> That's a moment. You you have two girls or I have a little boy who's four and a half. You have a little and boy, a, okay, and an almost seven year old daughter. Yeah. So being a, a girl dad, uh, how did that change your outlook on parenthood and feminism? Mm. You with the deep questions, man. I love it. <laughs> so I, you know, do. I, I look. I it. It's something that frustrates so many women when men say having a daughter changed me mm. because they, we shouldn't have to have daughters to change. Mm. Um, but having a daughter absolutely also did change me. And I have to admit that. Um, granted, I was on this course before. One of, the, one of the principles in the Baha'i faith is the equality of the sexes. Right? We're told in the Baha'i writings that humanity can be likened to a bird on one wing is male and the other wing is female, but it's not until the wings are equivalent in strength that the bird can fly. Mm. And, uh, and so I grew up with this, and then I married my wife and learned so much about women and, and feminism that I hadn't thought of, and then I had a daughter. <laughs> huh. and, uh, and it was the first time that I saw the world as a threat. Mm. Wow. And, I wish, and I wish that it didn't take that. I wish it didn't take me bringing a child into this world. And honestly, there's part, even if it was, even if I had had a boy first, I still would have seen the world for the first time as a threat. Because when you, literally, when you have a child, everything can kill them, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And you, right. And, and you start to realize just how temporary this life is and how fragile and delicate it is. But with a daughter specifically, I just remember looking out and being like, man, I'm too late. The fact that I want to protect my daughter um, I want her to grow up in a world where she doesn't need protecting from boys, where like that's not a sign of masculinity, that mm-hmm. a boy has to grow up to be a man to protect women. What are we protecting them from? From We're protecting them from other men. But mm-hmm. only, other men are only allowed to be bad men because us good guys weren't good enough. Hmm. We didn't have the conversations we should have had in the locker room when we were 13 or 14 and we heard the boy talking about like, all the stuff he was going to do to the girl. We, yeah. didn't, we, we weren't man enough to have those uncomfortable conversations. We didn't go into that cold plunge because, yeah. because there's nothing worse as a young boy than being a traitor to your own gender. Mm-hmm. Nothing worse than being called a girl or gay, right? These are the rules that we've established early on. And it's especially true, as I'm sure you guys know, in the black communities and in other types of communities where you've had to become hyper-masculine because the world is a threat, especially white men and women right mm-hmm. so it's it, it's it's the same and culturally also very different and socially also different mm-hmm. so you know looking at looking at this world it's scary <laughs> you <laughs> you have a daughter you look at it and you're like man wow i was not a good guy then then, mm-hmm. I, then, I, then I start to think about all the men the jokes about the dad on the porch with the shotgun mm-hmm. right well why why did the dad sit on the porch with the shotgun because he didn't want his daughter dating somebody like him. Mm, wow. So, so I thought you start to think about all of those things. And so when I had my daughter, I was like, I just kind of went into hyperspeed in terms of the work that I wanted to do with masculinity. And also, I don't want to raise a girl who is going to fit in the box. I want to raise a girl that's going to shatter the ceiling, the glass ceiling that men have put there. I want to raise a girl that's going to be loud and... Um, is comfortable being in quote unquote her masculine, which is really just another human aspect of herself. I want to raise a girl who grows up to be a woman that knows that she doesn't need a man, but she can want one if she chooses to like men. Uh, mm-hmm. And these are not things that like were conscious for all, my parents' generation. Um, I want to raise a I want I want to raise a young woman to grow up knowing that she doesn't need protecting. Um, but at the same time, she has to be realistic about the world that she lives in and know that men are not necessarily safe places for her. And that only starts with me and my work and doing that work. Um, so the answer is it taught me a lot. I wish I could say like, oh, I was on this journey and I had, you know, read all bell hooks and I had done all this and I was a feminist, but no, having a daughter did accelerate and put it into hyperdrive. Um, because we got to have a, we need to, we need to create a safer world, not just for women, but for queer folks and trans folks and, and for everybody. Because we're fucking humans. 
man. We're all right. on this that's, floating rock together, you know? But that's that's what's so interesting. It's like, all we need to do is create a world where everybody's comfortable with who they are. Mm-hmm. And also learn that some shit ain't none of our business. Yeah, man. <laughs> For real. Some shit ain't none of, none of our business. I, I, it's so weird that, like, I thought about this one day and woke up like, no, some of this shit ain't none of our business. If I was, if people wasn't being so nosy, you wouldn't care what somebody was doing in their own bedroom <laughs> with who they're doing it with, because it's none of your fucking business. <laughs> yeah. Why do you care if? Why do you care if tomorrow I decide to wear a dress? Why? Why would that make you so angry? Unless you actually wanted to wear a dress, I don't understand. It. Like <laughs> yeah. and you, and you feel like you can't. We had an incredible uh, person on our podcast named Alok. And they, they go by they, them pronouns. And Alok said something that really stuck with me. They said, um, we have to start to value compassion over comprehension. I don't, ha- I don't have to understand you to love you. Hmm. I should just love you. And what you do is what you do. And what I do is what I do. But like we talked about earlier, if I'm doing something that triggers you, you got to look at that for yourself. But we don't live in that culture. We don't live in an accountability culture where we take accountability. We want everybody else to take accountability. Hmm. Real? That's real. It's such a yeah. That's ah. that's keep that's keeping it real. That's yeah, keeping we, it real. We've kept God, it real. Man, we need that. That was perfect. <laughs> this old no. We're using that sound bite. Let's keep it real. <laughs> Do it again for safety. No, no. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> but no, like, like we we kept it so real, or real, real, real <laughs> this whole time. Um, I, I want to play. I want to play a game. We play games with our special guests, man. And uh, I said this or that, real simple. Okay. Um, so, so go straight into it, man. Day or night? Day. Day. Okay. The known or the unknown? Oof, the unknown. But it hurts. Okay. It hurts to say it. And like, I like winced when I said it, but I know that's truth. <laughs> it's the unknown. <laughs> Phone call or text? It depends on who's calling. <laughs> <laughs> the higher percentage of people, phone call or text? Uh, phone call. Okay. Order or chaos? Oh, I think I think that there's order in the chaos. Ooh, I don't know. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> A- acting or directing? Directing. I I, I figured that already. Uh, passenger or driver? Driver. Oh, I don't like traffic. Small gathering or big party? Small gathering. Okay. What's worse, laundry? Or dishes? Men should do both. I don't have an answer for that question. <laughs> Men should. I told Rail that. That's wrong with that. <laughs> I would fuck that dishes. <laughs> um, you know what? I like I like doing the dishes more. Okay. Yeah, I, like, I told you I like, earlier. I like doing the dishes more. It's a little more meditative for me. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Speaking of that, solo meditation or group meditation? Oof. Group. There's something okay. really magical about like everybody kind of coming in together. Solo is m- more important, but there's something really, I, l- I love group meditation. Last one, man. TV or books? Oh, uh, books. Oh, easily, huh? Books. That's not a question. <laughs> books, because that's where TV comes from. I knew that would be your final yeah. answer. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, but, exactly. I'm also, but I was also somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, but I was also somebody that had a hard time reading growing up. So I'm mm. relearning, been reteaching okay. myself the importance of books. And now you're reteaching and reshaping the, the being a man or becoming a man or yes, boys will be human. I always Book like to see what you're about to say to wrap up. Yes, yes, yes. Boys will be human. Boy, it said boys will be boys, but we scratch that right out and yes, put sir. human. Boys. We're reshaping that. Let's do it. Yeah. And man enough is in stores. Man enough is in stores. Boys will be human. Yes. It's available for pre-order. And, yes. and Clouds, you can still watch Clouds on Disney I d- Plus right now. I didn't there. know I was coming on the show to promote anything. I thought I was just going to come hang out. Uh, but I mean, you don't we're, have... I mean, we're doing it. I mean, we're doing it. <laughs> but thank you. I mean, this is what they made me do. I, I was very much against promoting anything on the show. 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm just, <laughs> but everyone, if there's one thing to go see Clouds, because Rel is so brilliant in that in that film. Oh, man, I appreciate it. And I saw I saw you just posted like somebody said it was like the what was it like the second or third best movie that you've made. I was like, I'll take that. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was an IMDb list. Second place is the first winner. I'll take that. And a... <laughs> <laughs> with Justin, man, brother, thank you for hanging out, man. You're uh-huh. you're one of my favorite people in the world. I love not only working with you, I love everything you stand for, man. You're just all around dope. Can't wait to work with you again. Thank you, bro. Thank you for hanging out with us, man. For real. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Feel the same way about you. And uh, I'm so oh. happy you're doing this show. And both of you, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Man. Hey, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Keep It Real with Young Wayne. All right. <laughs> we out of here. All right, y'all. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>